Hi, this is Tom Rotolo, founder of CityQuake. Welcome to our podcast where we feature messages that will change your life. I believe that Christians around the world are way overfed with teaching and way underactivated. What do I mean by that? We don't put that teaching to practice in our everyday life and it actually makes us worse off. We know biblical truth, but it has not actually transformed our life. Well, I've chosen messages for these podcasts that will inspire you and challenge you to live out your identity as a believer filled with the Spirit of God. It's time to not just fill seats at church anymore. It's time to see our cities transformed for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be activated. What a privilege it is to be here with so many hungry people. Um, this is my second uh, city quake, the last one I did in Brazil. Uh, COVID was breaking out. Uh, I think Tom got it, his wife got it, Paulo got it. There's some of us who are able to walk in faith that didn't get it. Just kidding. Uh, that has nothing to do with it. I nebulize colloidal silver and stuff, you know, and I try to do some alternative things. Whether you do that or not, that's up to you. But, uh, or maybe I had it. Don't know that I had it. I don't know. But I know that it was really cool to be in Brazil. Uh, in Brazil, they're seeing so many miracles. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. And so one of the things I shared from Brazil, I, wanted to, I talked, I said, and I'm not going to share my testimony, I don't think, but I never really know. I have all these notes that I use, and, and maybe I'll get there. A lot of times it's just really just getting stuff in my heart that the Lord draws out, right? When I was in Brazil, I think I spent the whole day in my room, and I did six different sermons. And I got up and preached something entirely different, right? So uh, I want to become a note preacher. That's really good when you have pastors that can do, you know, your, your 13 week series. The great thing about being an itinerant evangelist, you travel, so you can sort of let it flow. And, you know, what I really hope is to just be a spark, right, to ignite something here. But in Brazil, I remember saying, listen, I said, you guys are seeing so many miracles. I said, can I tell you about the greatest miracle that I've ever seen? And everybody's like, yeah. And I said, the greatest miracle that I ever saw was I saw someone raised from the dead. And they're like, yes, can I tell you what happened? I said, this man was absolutely dead, and I, and I personally witnessed his resurrection from the dead. I said, that man was me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was separated from God. I have a testimony that's worse than Todd White's testimony. I promise, but you have to be careful that you don't allow a false humility to ever enter your life and make you think that somehow that you're bigger and better than God is good, because you're not. And I was gripped with that thing for so many years, and I couldn't function. I was in and out of church. I was a chronic backslider. I didn't really understand how great and how big and how awesome and how powerful our God is. Come, let us reason together. If your sins be like scarlet, they can be white as snow. I didn't realize that I'd been called from my mother's womb, and he knew me before I was born, and he had a calling on my life to do what I'm doing now. The good thing is we have a man named Saul, who was the chiefest of sinners, the least of all the saints, not worthy to be called an apostle. Some people think the more Saul grew as a Christian, as Paul, that he realized what a sinner he was. I don't agree with that. I think he knew what a wretch he was because he persecuted the only way in which men could be saved. 
There's no greater sin than me trying to keep you from eternal life. But Saul encountered the love of God on a road to Damascus. He knocked him off his high horse, and this man ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And the good news for me is, if Saul was the chiefest of sinners, I can slide under, under there somewhere. That brought me a lot of peace. Well, if Saul could get in, well, then Keith Mitchell can get in. And if Saul can get in and Keith Mitchell can get in, don't you let anything keep you out. It's a lie of the devil, and I'm going to tell you why. Because he had an amazing beginning but has an awful destiny. And he doesn't want you to get back to where he came from. I promise. So I'm, I'm an evangelist. I'm, why? Because I was so lost and now I'm found. And this is real because I know the man that I was before I met him. And I'm crazy about Jesus. If I was crazy for the devil doing things a man ought not to do and shouldn't speak because he's ashamed of, and I've spent enough time in the past doing that, why would I not be willing to share my faith with every single person that God gives me an opportunity to? Let me share some testimonies. I was a wretch. You want to see my testimony? I might share some of it Friday night, but look it on YouTube if you want, right? I don't put that stuff there, but other people do. But I wish I had some of your testimonies that grew up in the church and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But don't you be that older brother in the story of the prodigal son. And if you got in at four and I got in at 50, guess what? We get paid the same wage. Yeah, but Lord, I got saved at five. So what? I'm not sure my dad's saved. He might be. He's 86, and he's got heart problems. My mom's in a nursing home right now, and I was just back in Pennsylvania spending time with them. She knows the Lord. But he's got a preacher that lives next door that's retired that is serving him night and day. And he says, and I'm working on your dad. And if my dad gets saved, and I absolutely know he's saved, and he might be, I'm not sure. When I get to heaven, man, I want to see him. When I get to heaven, I want to see my son Sam that was killed by a drunk driver March 4th, 2014. And I was in the car with him. And when, when God showed me that when he stepped out of his body, he had his right hand out praying for me, and two angels took him to heaven. I'm not worried about the ones with, that's with Jesus to live as Christ, to die as gain. They're waiting for us to get there. There's a wedding feast that's going to happen. Don't you let hurt, loss, disappointment pull you out of what you're called to. You better remember that we are in a war. And we're waiting for a great end time, end time harvest. Why wait? Jesus said, look up. The harvest is already here. Because people are perishing. People are perishing. So I go to Brazil, and I'm getting on an elevator, and everybody's wearing masks, and this guy says to me, are you Keith? And I'm like, you know, you only can see the eyes, right? He must recognize me from the photo or something, right? You know? And he says, can I tell you a testimony? And I said, sure. He said, you were on a flight 
with one of my best friends, and you led the flight attendant to Christ. And I said, I know that flight. That was the last flight out of Frankfurt, Germany, when COVID was breaking out. And my wife and I were doing ministry over there that got cut short because of this pandemic that was upon us. And I always try to share the gospel with every Lyft driver, every person I'm sitting beside on the airplane. I have a goal to share my faith with one person a day. The reason I set the goal and the bar low enough, because I know I can do that. That doesn't mean when I get to lunch, I'm done. No. I've had people in United lounges where someone gets healed and they're lining up and bringing the other employees to get me to pray for them. I mean, I got so many testimonies that I can share with you. But if you do not realize that God wants to do in and through you more than you want to, you'll never begin to step out. So on March the 19th, I'm on this flight, and it's about two hours before we land into DFW. They're not even all masked up yet, because they don't know what's happening. And, uh, and I have a, I get a lot of frequent flyer miles. So I had a business ticket, and I'm up front, and I was thankful for that. Obviously, it's a pretty long flight. And I go up front to get a coffee, because I was slept most of the flight to, to, before we landed Dallas. And I walk in, into, the, into the area to get the coffee where the flight attendants are, and there was a, a, a middle-aged woman, um, and there was a young, young uh, man. And I said, wow, now this is what I want to share with you. You don't always have to have a word of knowledge. In fact, don't be sitting in a McDonald's, right, for one hour trying to get a word of knowledge before you talk to someone about Jesus. Simple things. Has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? People say stuff like to me, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing so good, but it's not my fault. Jesus did it. Huh? Oh, if you knew who I was before, then you would know what I'm telling you now. Right? And I share some of my testimony. You need to learn how to share your testimony in increments. And if you don't have a big testimony like a Todd White or a Keith Mitzel, and you weren't the chiefest of sinners, you still were. You just don't realize that. If you don't realize that, you need to repent. 613 Levitical Laws, 10 Commandments, you've broken one, you've broken them all. How many times have you ever lied, tried to be selfish, protected yourself, wanted something that someone else said they couldn't have it? When you're a kid, mind, bang, and you hit the kid with the toy? I mean, come on, we're born into this thing. It's way worse than that. So I go up to the cop, not the cockpit, to the, the flight attendant station, I said, things are getting pretty crazy, aren't they? I said, you know what, this would be a really good time to examine your faith. I said, I looked at her, I said, where are you at with Jesus? And she said, not where I should be. Now, I've never done this quite like this. Now, if you ask somebody if they have a back problem, you'll probably be right about 25% of the time. Sometimes I just start there, and then we work around the body. <laughs> if they're working on a, on, a, on a hard floor all day as a cashier, do you have pain in your feet, your back, honey? Right? I mean, I'm, I, I just, my, probably because I share with so many people, I'm always going and I'm not always waiting to hear. And I ask that if I don't hear, I go anyhow. Because he's in me and he wants to touch them. But I said this to this woman. I said, you have back pain and your left leg is this much shorter than the other one. And she said, and I've never called that out like that, but it must have been the Lord because it ended up being true. <laughs> 
right? And she said, well, I know my back hurts, but I don't know that my leg's shorter. So now she's in a skirt, right? So you sit a lady down in a chair, she's in a skirt, right? I mean, you're looking at her eyes, obviously, but you know, it is weird. You got to be careful with that stuff, right? But the Lord had already provided a folded up blanket in that jump seat. It so was such a God setup. I was like, unbelievable. So I said, this is really cool. I put it over Her leg comes out. She gets up. Her back gets healed. And I said, now listen to me. What is preventing you from giving your life to Jesus? She goes, nothing. I want this. Tyrion gives her life to Jesus, right? And now I pray that when someone would come alongside her and help disciple her, I mean, listen, I know we celebrate the sowing of seed, but we're supposed to make disciples. And you got to make sure that you, that's why you're here, because you want to be equipped to go, but you also want to be equipped to know what you need to do so that you can become who you're supposed to be so that you can help other people. And the discipleship process is very relational. It requires an investment of time, but it should never be a codependency. Right? The whole goal is to get people to understand relationship with Father through the Holy Spirit, you understand, so they can get alone in their secret place. Oh, this is so good. You'll, you'll hear the word. Do you know that the, the New Testament is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ? Do you know Hebrews says, unless the testator, the person that owned the will, dies, you don't receive what's in the will? Do you know that he died on the cross? became sin for us, took our sins so that we could get that removed to become something, and that you and I are written in the will. And all the promises are yes and amen. And now it's even better than that because the one who died has been raised from the dead. And you have an attorney or a mediator at the right hand of the Father representing you and me and even interceding for us. So don't let this thing get in the way of what he says. So this woman was so amazing. Can I take my picture with you and everything like that? And it was really cool. And then I get to Brazil. See, the deal is, you don't think, okay, you don't think that on those testimonies, you're never going to hear them again. So to me, that was such a blessing from the Lord to have that happen like that, to see that it impacted not just her, but the other flight attendant whose girlfriend is on a worship team at Bethel. So imagine that I'm praying for her and this guy's praying for her and praying for me while I'm praying for her. <laughs> so when you guys go out in twos, don't be tripping all over each other trying to see who can get the word in or get the notch in his belt. Well, then you're doing it for you. I mean, it gets weird. I know that because sometimes we feel rejection or this or that or so-and-so gets a microphone. This is not my favorite thing. This, it's just not. Okay, I don't pursue this. I'm honored to be here. I'm really honored to be here with Tom, who's a really good friend, and Dan Moeller, who has been instrumental in my freedom. We're all from York, PA, and I was talking to Dan back before he was doing any of this. He was associate pastor, and I wasn't even really saved yet. That song that Jeremiah was singing, take me back, take me back to where it started. And I've always believed in God, but can I share this little piece of a testimony? 
I was so lost. I would feel demons trying to pull me out of my body, my spirit out of my body. And I'd put Christian screenscapes on. They'd stop. It's a long story, but I had just had given up. I thought that somehow that Hebrews 6.4 applied to me, that I had fallen away and I couldn't be saved. And I didn't understand a James 5.19 and 20, that if one of you wanders away from the faith and someone brings them back, you save a sinner from the error of his ways and love covers a multitude of sins. There's tension in the Bible for a reason. That Hebrews 6.4 situation is someone that has received way more excessive revelation than me and you. I promise. Now, if Paul would have backslid, he would have been a Hebrews 6.4 guy. I promise, because he received such excessive revelations, right? Okay, so, but, and I realized, listen, repentance is the greatest gift that we've ever been given. If God didn't want me to be here and he didn't want you to be here, you wouldn't be here. All he's got to do is go like this. Well, what does he say? A smoldering wick, I won't. Right? A bruised weed, I won't. He's for us, not against us. So I saw this sign that says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I had epiphany. I had an epiphany. I said, wow, that sums it up, doesn't it? I guess that's it, huh? I don't love you. I don't obey your commandments. I've tried and I can't. And truthfully, I don't want to. But I know that you love me or I wouldn't still be here. Romans 5.8 says, yet while we were sinners, he died for us. True love is made known in this, that one would give up his life for another. And not just another, but a wretch like me and a wretch like you. I mean, you would die for your kids, Drew. I guarantee it. I would die, I would die for you. I would die for any one of you. But would you die for the pedophile? Not realizing that they've been possessed by the devil to do his will? And I'm not saying if that's your situation and you get saved that you should ask to work in the nursery. Don't be stupid. Appearance of evil, right? But there's a place where if that was me and I would go to the bathroom, I would ask Drew to come with me to make sure that you guys know that I'm okay. But I don't want you to worry. You understand? I know of a story like that. That's why I'm sharing. It's not me. Okay? Like, oh, wow, we can't. Nah, it's, I'm not just hear that. Because we want people to be saved. I know that you love me or I wouldn't still be here. And if you take me back, I will give you my life and let you be in charge this time. Jesus Incorporated does not work. <laughs> Do you just want forgiveness and a license to sin? I'm telling you, it's in the church, man. It's awful. I'm not talking sinless perfection. You hear that stuff too. No, I'm talking love. I'm talking love. I, because I love my wife, I don't cheat on her. I love her. I haven't seen her in four or five weeks. This is the longest period of celibacy I've had in my life. I was touched wrong as a child. You have no idea, and it's been beautiful. It's been a grace. And I, you single people, man, you, you embrace that. That sounds crazy, I know, but I'm, I'm telling you, you don't know my story. I'm not going to get into all that, but it's beautiful. But I don't cheat on her because I love her. If a temptation come on me to do something I ought not to do, I don't want to offer the members of my body up for something that they're not for or for selfish pleasure. Don't you hear that in condemnation, those of you that are struggling with pornography in this area of your life? Jesus came to set you free, and you can be free. There's no condemnations. Don't you throw the towel in. Come on. Come on. 
And if that temptation comes on me like it did recently, and I just went, huh, I know what that is. Guess what? I say no to that. The grace of God teaches me to deny ungodliness. And you know what? I started weeping. I want to save myself for my wife and for our reunion. That's a beautiful thing. If I had to do over again, I wouldn't even kiss a girl till my wedding day. Now, if you kiss before your wedding day, don't. But just know that there's this thing and this beauty about righteousness and purity and holiness, right? And so I don't sin against God, not because I never make a mistake, because I want freedom. And if I abide in his word, John 8, 31 and 8, 32, I'll know the truth. The truth will set me free. I'll pursue a fear of the Lord, which is like this, that I'm going to destroy sin and all that causes it. And I don't want you to be destroyed with it. So if this building is going to be burned down because it's a building of sin and he says, get out, we need to get out. And if we got sin in us, we need to get it out. That's why this thing can't inherit the kingdom of God. Because it's been touched by sin. It's been corrupted by sin. And that's why outwardly we waste away. But one day we're going to shed this and we're going to get a new body. And then eventually we're going to get one like Jesus. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. And in the new heaven and new earth, sin will be done with. The leaven of sin will have worked through the lump. And God will destroy the lump and it will be done with once and for all. Hallelujah. So don't get stuck in the sticky middle of the here and now because in the beginning it was very good and in the end it's going to be better. Amen? So I love God. And because I love God, I want to, I, this morning I'm, I'm in there and you know, and I got all these notes, I haven't really touched them, which is usually the case, but they're there if I forget what I'm doing, I can go back, Right? And this morning, and I, and I said, I just started weeping. I said, I love you. And I felt him say, I love you too. And I just started crying. And I'm like, I, I thank you so much for saving my life. But I don't want to be a selfish Christian. Right? To heaven with me and to hell with you. But I'm okay. Hey, it's up to you. You could say, you could you know, do what you want. Like some of the reform stuff, I just don't understand. You know, you're already predetermined to be saved, and then why do you preach the gospel, and why do you pray, and all that stuff? And if you're watching Reform, please forgive me, but one day, like Tom said last night, we see through a clouded glass, and one day we'll know. Maybe they were a little right about this, and we're a little right about that, but I will tell you this. The truth is in Jesus. My Baptist friend believes once saved, always saved. I have a friend like this, right? And if you're living a life of habitual sin, he would say, well, you weren't really saved to begin with. I'm saying, I don't know, man. The guy was leading people to Christ. He was saved. He walked away from the Lord. I don't know. But listen, you're supposed to examine yourself with the word so that you're not judged with the world. So you get into that mirror of God's word and you look in that word. And if you see rotten fruit in that tree, you better ask him to prune that stuff. And don't be like the guy in James that looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. Or the story of the, of, the, of the four soils, the rocky soil, right? The guy leaves for a while and falls away because he has no root in himself. There's a good identity message. Because he doesn't know who he is in Christ. And he's allowed the circumstances and the things of the world to determine his joy. When only your joy should come from your salvation. Second Peter chapter 1 says that if we are growing in Christ and maturing in the fruits of the Spirit, we'll receive a rich reward into the kingdom of God. But those that lack this have become nearsighted. Think about what's going on in the world right now and how easy it is to become focused on the here and now. COVID, 100 genders, 
LGBTQ pressure everywhere, the progressive church slipping into this, people apologizing, a guy from Exodus International that was leading people out of homosexuality apologizes for the damage that he's done to people by trying to tell them that they weren't born that way? Come on, God did really say it's never going to change. Right? So we need to know these things, and we need to know who we are. And this stuff, this stuff that is warring against the kingdom of God, and we need to make sure that we're warriors and we're established in truth, because if we know the truth, the truth will set us free, and we'll be able to help rescue people. Now listen, broad is the way to hell many enter therein, but he doesn't die that any should perish. So far be it from me and you not to do what we should do, right, to rescue people. If 9-11 happened... And we were all here. I guarantee you, almost everyone that could, right, would rush into that building to rescue people, even though we couldn't rescue them all. Amen? Amen. Okay. So I'm going to share some testimonies. I'm going to talk. I'm just preaching a little bit here. I want to teach a little. It's hard for me. I'm backing down a little. I get excited about Jesus and want to fan the flame. And I I really am. I'm I'm so excited about it, um, of all that God has done for me, what I get to do for him, and what my future looks like coming out of my past. I said this to someone earlier. You know, the devil had an amazing beginning, right? But his end's awful. And we're going back to where he lost. And we can't lose that, right? So if, if, uh, if we abide in him and we're alone with him, the truth of things that are really important. Every time I read the fear of the Lord scriptures, I make notes. People say, I don't understand the fear of the Lord. It's easy. The fear of the Lord is to hate what he hates. The fear of the Lord is to turn away from evil. The fear of the Lord is to not fear people who can hurt you and say unkind things about you, but fear him who can ultimately judge you and send you to a place that wasn't prepared for you. But that is not his desire, right? The fear of the Lord, the love of God compels me. That's why I share with each and every person. Not every person wants to hear what I have to say. But I I would probably guess if it's, I share with 100 people, probably about 85 to 90% of that stuff goes pretty well. Okay? So... Do you guys want to hear some testimonies? Okay. Some of my favorite things I get to do as I travel the world is I, I get to go to Turkey. Okay. And in Turkey, you have a lot of Iranian Christians. I particularly work with the Iranian Christians. So a friend of mine, Shapur uh, from the UK, who's an amazing man of God. In fact, he has, he's going to become an America soon. He's amazing. If you get a chance to check him out, check him out. He, he reeks of Jesus. Uh, For the first seven years, he was a former Muslim, got saved. He devoted seven years to the Lord before he would even look for a wife or consider a wife. When these Muslims get saved out of this false, demon-possessed religion, right? Okay, they become some of the most amazing disciples in prayer and the word and all that stuff. All that other stupid stuff that they were training in to try to do, when they get the right stuff, they're really good at it. I know some of them that are memorizing whole, whole books of the Bible. It's just crazy. I mean, it's amazing. And it's not a bad thing to memorize Scripture. It's a bad thing if you're memorizing Scripture to use the sword of the word to cut somebody else with. 
Now, if I have a relationship with Drew, we might could do some of that if we really, I'm just using Drew because I know him, or Tom and I might because, you know, we know each other. He might bring some correction into my life. I might bring some in his. But the goal is always restoration, not trying to point out where you're missing it all the time, trying to help you. Like, I want that. I want if people see things in my life, you know, I want to know. My wife's a great example of that. You guys that have wives, they're like a junior Holy Spirit. Right? You know that. Honey, I don't think you should say that. Or she's tapping you under the table. You know, like, just back it down a notch. You know? And I'm learning to listen to that. You know? It's actually very helpful. Uh, she's amazing. So anyhow, so I'm in, the first time I get to Turkey, I go to Izmir. And, uh, and I fly into Izmir. And they're doing a meeting at a, uh, it's actually an Anglican church building that the Turks are using. Now, I want you to understand that Erdogan is an Islamicist, the head of Turkey, and the public schools are being switched into Islamic schools. And all this stuff is playing out into biblical prophecy, if you, if you understand biblical, biblical prophecy, right? So things are okay over there for the Iranians right now because it's worse in Iran, although there's a revival happening in Iran. Um, you know, man, I'm, I want to get to this mirror, but I got to share this. We got so upset, some of us, about the election, right? And it became the great election rather than the great commission, right? And Shapur shared this with me that really helped me. He said, Keith, when the Shah of Iran was deposed, Iran was deposed in, in I think it was 1978 or 79, um, there was hardly any Christians in Iran. Today, there's several million. Okay, under an Islamic leadership, and sometimes it takes persecution to, charge the, to cause the church to grow, and I believe that it's coming to America, and I think somebody said recently, it's not Facebook jail either, right? So you have to be careful what you've signed up for. So in Izmir, we get to the meeting, and you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it's not persuasive words, but it's a demonstration, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2.4, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that's why we're here, right? Because, I mean, I mean, I do apologetics some. It depends on the person I'm with and how I'm led. You know, sometimes you need, people have questions, you can answer that. But most of the conversions that I've seen been by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And these ones I'm about ready to share with you are pretty fun, okay? So I speak no Farsi. How about Shatori? How are you doing? That's all I probably know, right? That's about it, right? Uh, and... Uh, and so at the end of the meeting, Shapur says, and this is not a charismatic meeting. This is an evangelical meeting with different uh, denominations that, right, are Iranian Christians, and they're not all charismatics. And he says, listen, we only have about 15 minutes till we got to be out of this building. And he says, all we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on some people and pray. Right? Now, I hadn't seen a lot of people getting slain in the spirit up until this point. Okay. And I'm not even sure at this point totally what I believe about that. Because I've seen some stuff that's not, you know, I mean, not all of it's real. Some people are floppers, right? And uh, I'm not, you know what I mean, right? doesn't make you spiritual because you fall down. I like what Dan says. If you fall down and you wiggle and roll and all your hair stands up, cool. But when you get up, be more like Jesus. And that comes through hiding the word in your heart, okay? Or you'll want to touch all the time and won't spend time in your word. And then the truth won't be there, and then things will war against that, and you'll be in trouble, right? So the first two ladies I go to pray for, they go down, boom. One hits the piano. I find out later. I can tell you the backstory now because Shapur knows these people, right? Are we good? Oh, thank you so much. You see the sweat, don't you? 
Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. And, uh, and the next couple was a man and a woman, and I laid hands on them, and he goes down. She was saved, praying for him for two years. While he's out for 20 to 30 minutes, he has a vision of Jesus and gets up and gives his life to the Lord. What did I do? Just carry the presence of God. That ought to be enough. I'm trying to tell you there's more there than what you're understanding. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean that God is. When I pray for someone and they walk away and they don't want Jesus or they're rude or angry, I don't want to come over the top. What I want to do is walk away and pray for them. They may not have many people or anyone praying for them. What about that? What about if I sow a seed and then, you know, Tom sees them later and he sows a seed and then Drew sees them, right? Or, or someone else comes along and this keeps happening over and over and over again. Some sow, some water, some reap a harvest where they haven't sowed. They jump in the boat and Drew thinks he's an amazing evangelist. Right? And that happens sometimes, right? Okay, so the, the, the next woman I go to pray for, um, she is... She says no. I think she understands English. She spins away from me. And all of a sudden, Shapur cries out, Keith, help me, I can't breathe. She has a T-shirt like on this, and she has this T-shirt, and she's choking him. She's demon-possessed. This is my first encounter with a demon-possessed woman that I know of. I may have encountered a few in my days, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> I just leave that at that. We're not going <laughs> to... We're not pursuing that. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so I get her off of him. I get her down, and she looks at my face, and she spits in my face, and she says, I hate you. You're a liar. And I said, no, I used to be a liar just like you, but I'm not anymore. So we did deliverance. It took a couple days, two different times. She gets set free. I'm telling you, when these Iranians would come through our prayer uh, tunnels, fire tunnels, whatever you want to call them, and sometimes when you touch them, they just manifest a demon. Why? Because the spirit of the living God abides in us because these bodies are temples and he wants to get out as a river of water and he wants to touch people. So I'm preaching at this little church the next day, okay? Same woman grabs my shirt. I said, no, we're not doing this again. We grab her up. They do the deliverance. She gets set free. But there's a guy named... Iman, not Imam, like the head of the mosque. And Iman is a pastor, and he's been jailed three times that I know of for sharing his faith. I am preaching an identity message, right, which is one of my favorite topics. But I only preach identity through Christ, not like we're something special outside of him because we exist and have our being in him. And I behold the lamb and become more like him by beholding that. So we need to know who he is to really understand who we are. And if you want to be like him, go to Philippians 2 and look at what your elder brother did. He humbled himself to become a man and didn't hold on to the reality that he was God because he did what he did as a man because he was tempted in all points like we were without sin. But was still God and could have called 12 legions of angels down but didn't. So people get confused when they hear this stuff. What are you saying? Jesus isn't fully God? No, I'm not saying that. He was fully God and fully man. But the, but the God stuff, he just sat here for a second. Well, it was there. He knew who he was, but he had to do what he did as a man to redeem our part of the covenant that Adam had broken and walked it out, tempted way more than Adam was perfectly. Imagine if you were a brother of Jesus growing up. 
Why can't you be like your brother? <laughs> One day I will, right? And so Imam's crying at the back. I remember he's sitting off here to the right. He goes, I love your words. And I said, sir, I love your testimony. It's beautiful. You know, that the, they told him if he did it again, if he shared his faith again and they caught him, they would might most likely kill him. What would you do if someone said that to you? You know what he did? The first cab ride he got when they released, got released out of prison, he shared with the cab driver. The cab driver says, what is going on? This is the third time I've heard this. He pulls over and gives his life to Jesus. <laughs> do you know what our Iranian brothers and sisters would wonder about us? Is what we're doing with the free time that we have. Are you using your freedom to share your faith? Are you using your time to pray for those that don't know the Lord and to pray for your brothers and sisters? You know, every revival that we've ever studied, right, has been birthed through prayer, right? Now, the, the, the difference about the revival we're talking about here is a little different. In other words, we want to be the revival in that sense. I'm all about having, if a revival breaks out here, right, through Dan preaching or Tom or I can't imagine me, but God could do anything. I don't want to be falsely humble, but right, if a revival breaks out, right, and all of a sudden it's going on for, that's good, but, that, but in a way it's not, and I think that's why they end. We are the salt of the earth, right? And if the salt loses its saltiness, Jesus said it's good for nothing but to be trampled on by men. You know, salt loses its saltiness. Back in the day when they were salt salesmen and, and, you know, and, and you were worth your weight in salt. I don't want to keep using Drew. He's liking it too much. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just picking Drew. But you know what I mean? Oh, Drew, you're worth your weight in salt, right? It, it meant something. Salt was valuable. But how salt loses its saltiness was it was blended with impurities. And all of a sudden it wasn't salty anymore. So we need to make sure that we don't have compromise. And the other thing is, it's amazing to come together here, to meet together, to worship together, to pray together, to stir each other up for good works. But this is the salt box. Get out the door. That's where the salt needs to be. Not everybody needs to be in full-time ministry. Why? Because we need salt in the workplace. And our presence matters and means something, just like my presence affected that demon. You'd be surprised that you can get a lot more done by quietly living your life like the Bible says and not saying so much to them, but saying something to him who knows exactly where they are. And then God will bring the opportunities to share with them. Now, I tell you, I got a whole bunch of testimonies, but my driver's over here, Ted, right? Looks like one of the guys from uh, one of the bands back in the day, right? And, uh, and I thought when I met Ted that Ted had a testimony like mine because sometimes you judge a book by its cover. Well, he doesn't have a testimony like mine. He kind of grew up in the church and has a great testimony. But Ted's been with me, and I'm not performing for Ted so because so Ted can. But everywhere I go, we walked into what we thought was a coffee shop the other day. It ended up being a pawn shop. Guess what? How are you doing? I'm doing so good, it's not my fault. And the guys are looking at me, and I began to share a portion of my testimony, which led us to praying for two of those guys, right? Okay, 
when I'm going through the drive-thru at the coffee shop, same kind of thing. I'm responding to that guy. And I'm saying things like, look, right now is an amazing time to be alive. Jesus said there'll be pestilence, earthquakes, famines, disease. There'll be global warming. And they're freaking out. You're not supposed to freak out. Don't be alarmed at this. It just means I'm soon coming. Get excited. But what it ought to do is motivate us to get people in the ark of Jesus, which is way bigger than the ark of Noah. Look up. Our redemption draws near. Get excited and watch. If people are freaked out and we're not freaked out and they look at us, they might wonder why we're not freaked out and how comes we have such peace and we have such joy. Because if my life is required of me, I'm ready to meet God. To live as Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Then Paul says, I desire to go there, which is better by far. If I die right now and you try to raise me from the dead, and he asks me if I want to come back, my answer is no. But if I ask him, do you want me to go back? Then my answer is yes, if he says yes. Okay? I have come to the place in my life where I finally realize that God is not a figment of everyone's imagination. Atheism is a temporary condition. For every knee will bow and every tongue that will, will confess that Jesus is Lord. No, we are the crowning glory of his creation. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And all those questions of how God and why God and if you knew what you were doing, why did you create the devil? Why did you put him in the garden? Why didn't you stick him somewhere else in the universe? One day we're going to see this thing play out and we will weep and we will marvel at the mercy of God who knows what he's doing, and you need to understand that. If you want a why question, then why did he write his son Jesus into the script, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world, that those he created would mock and ridicule and spit and beat him? Would you do that for your son? He must love us. And I used to have all those questions, and you know what they produced in my life? Yuck. I know what my life is life without Jesus. And I know what my life is life with Jesus. And if you want to talk to my wife someday and you ask her which husband she likes better, she likes this one. People meet us now and they think that we met in a Bible college. We actually, people that failed at marriage have done a marriage retreat. And I questioned their sanity on that. And he says, no, because I see the restoration of what God did in your life. The Bible says you're supposed to remain as you are as you're, when you're called. So if you failed at marriage and you remarried, you're not trying to go back and fix something that's over. Right? But I do pray for the people that have hurt. Right? And, and, and you know that, that God loves them. And, you know, there's neither marriage nor given in marriage in the kingdom of heaven. It says we'll be like the angels. There's no need to procreate anymore. Right? So we have to understand that this life is an opportunity that we have. Right? 
to enter into the family of God through his goodness, become part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, right? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, and we proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were wretched sinners who got saved through the spirit of adoption who became sons. Right? He calls us saints. He doesn't call us sinners. I know that messes up some of the Baptist people. And I love them. Don't hear me wrong, right? Because you want to acknowledge your sins and confess a fault or a flaw or apologize to people, but I don't live as that as my identity anymore. And I don't know that if you know this, but if you don't know it, you need to know it. But you know, there's a thing to sing, Uncle Sam needs you. Enlist in the army, no. Oh, the commander of the Lord's army needs you. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to know if you're willing to enlist in the army of God. I've paid the price to purchase you back. I will fill you with the spirit. Come on. I will give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. I'll put a new spirit in you. You'll be born again. I'll remove that heart of stone. I'll fill you with my spirit. I'll equip you with Ephesians armor, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, right? Not just a little shield, a shield of faith. He's got my back and my front. A belt of truth, I abide in it, so I'm not going to allow thoughts of the enemy or people's opinions to take me away from what my dad says. I'm ready. I share the gospel everywhere. It says be ready in season, out of season. Every lift ride, every airplane ride, when I go to restaurants, every waitress, somewhere at the gym, every day, I'm ready. And I need to learn how to use that word of God, not against my brother, but maybe to cut something off of them, but definitely to use against the devil. I was in Hawaii, and some of the locals over there, sometimes they don't like the tourists. I was at Bubba's Burgers, and the guy says to me, where are you from, brah? I said, oh, I'm not a citizen of this place. Now you got interested. You think I'm from Europe or something. I said, I'm a citizen of heaven. And the guy behind me went, him, right? What do you think about that? You've been crucified to the world and the world to you. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's how you could joyfully accept the confiscation of your goods because you know you have an eternal reward and a better place. And whenever the thief steals from you, God will restore how many fold? He says even a hundredfold. I go to prepare a place for you. Now watch. Come on. Sons and daughters, saints and soldiers, citizens of heaven, equipped. Greater is in you than he that's in the world. As the Father sends me, I send you. And now you've been dropped in behind enemy lines. 1 John 5, 19 says the whole world's under the influence of the evil one. But I'm not under the influence of the evil one. I used to be. Right? You're under the influence of the Spirit of God. What we need to do is crucify our intellect and not let the hurts and offenses and disappointments and all those things in life tell us that it can't happen. When I, when I was in the car accident, to show you how this is real to me, Todd had flown over uh, from Thomasville, PA, um, and flew over to Oahu. My wife gets in the ambulance. I'm not going to get into all that, but my son was killed instantly, right? And it's, it's okay. Uh, he's with Jesus. But she turns the ambulance radio up, and it was playing in the arms of an angel by Sarah McLaughlin. And Gail knew then that Sam had gone to be with Jesus. And she, she doesn't even remember calling Todd. 
and he never has his phone on at 2.30 in the morning. She gets a hold of him, and he, he flew 14 hours, right, to get to Oahu, right, to spend six hours with my wife to help establish her because I needed her. Man, did I need her? The people were praying for me all over the world. But I went before, I'm not going to go there. They said to me, some other friends were there. I'm not trying to name drop, so I'm not going to mention them, but they were there. And, and do you remember wanting to pray for the sick in the ICU? I said, no. Have you ever been in with someone's on morphine? You can have a conversation with them. It seems normal, but later on, they don't even remember you. I've, I've done it, right? Prayed for a woman. God healed her. They operated her leg next day so they could do it. She had a fever, and she doesn't remember me being there, right? Five weeks after my son got killed, she was hit by a drunk driver on Kauai, and I went to the hospital right after I lost my son and prayed for her. I don't mourn as the world mourns. I'm in an army. And it's a war. But the good news is when the Christian loses his life, he's got an eternal reward. Now, don't you forget that. But I said, no, I don't remember wanting to pray for the sick. They were bringing cancer patients in. I was laying my hand on them when they're not even sure I'm going to make it, and they were praying. They were seeing the craziest miracles. The hospital never saw anything like it. I can't boast in me and that. That's just like when I prayed for the guy and he fell over and had a vision of Jesus. If all the promises are yes and amen in the last will and testament of Jesus Christ, but the promises are to the believer, make sure that you don't allow what you're not seeing to determine what the word says because Jesus is our model. That's taking me right where I want to go. Oh, perfect. Because I know we want to celebrate the times when it does happen, and it's really amazing. I remember preaching at Lifestyle one time on a Friday night, Love and Action. This family got up, and these kids had saw metal disappear in a guy's body. Kids! And I'm like, I haven't seen that. Maybe they should preach. But if we don't understand the greatest miracle is eternal, and even if you get healed today, you might die at 95 or 85 or whatever it is. Well, my dad was in manor care recovering from the last episode he had. I prayed for some people in there. But they're old, and they're dying, and they've got blood on their aprons, and they're sitting there, and they're catatonic. And Oh, this is so good. The most important miracle those people can have is to make sure they know Jesus. Because I don't know anyone that's going and clearing those whole wings out. Right? I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm saying it's not likely, but I don't let like to determine, you know, what I do. And, I, and I, I think if we think of it like this, now oh, this is really good. If you and I were doctors, right, and we spent all that money to go to med school and our residency and all that stuff, right, and we started an oncology practice. Now, I've taken the Hippocratic Oath, and I've sworn, right, to, to make my patients better as best as my, my ability and do no further harm. If Sally comes in to me, or whoever, right, and she dies of cancer and she's my first patient, am I going to throw all that money and time and energy away and quit my practice? No, we have to remember and understand, I think it's 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will safely deliver us from every evil peril. That sounds like Psalm 91, but you got to keep reading and take us to our heavenly home. I'm not suicidal. 
It's not what I'm saying. No, I have purpose and I have destiny. And I'm going to finish this thing the best that I can. If I'm an old man in an old folks home and the Lord don't come back and I got to roll around in my wheelchair, I'm still going to be praying for people. I'm going to still be sharing my faith with people. And that's, that's, where, that's where I admire. There's a, a guy here I was talking to a little while ago and he's hobbling around and yet he doesn't allow his circumstance to determine what the word says. Right? You can't. Here's why. In the Iranian church of Liverpool, they see miracles. They see demons cast out like crazy. They, they, by one buddy, he gets, the Lord gives him words. Buy two Arabic Bibles today. He's an Uber driver. Okay. Two Arabs get in his car and they see a cross. Are you Christian? Yes. Why? And then he gets a word about the wife having cancer. Praise for her. She gets healed. Just crazy stuff. But now watch. So that's the amazing stuff. But I want to talk about some of the not so amazing stuff because I want you to be solid. And I don't want you to be disappointed, and I want you to keep going. So there's a little girl that's about this big. She may be 10 or 12 by now. She can't change herself, right? She's in a diaper. Oh, I see her face and these big brown eyes. She reaches up. Belinda, I think she's you hold her. Pray for her. Right? She's got a golden ticket. What the enemy stole from her is temporary. Nick Wojciechek without the arms and legs. He'll run in heaven. Jesus will be the first one he hugs. Okay? And so I went to the parents and I said, can I tell you what I see here? Because I wanted to help them. Because you see miracles and she's not healed. And I see, I see a caterpillar in a cocoon. And one day when she steps out of that corrupted flesh, right? That's corrupted a little more than ours in a different way, right? Through the fall of Adam. She'll step out of that body, and I can imagine, and we'll know. Because I have a friend that was in heaven. I, he said, I saw a woman. I knew she was in a wheelchair, but it wasn't. There's none of that. You just knew people were healed of stuff. And you'll see her, and I can imagine, like, you know, we'll be like angels. And here comes this glorious, beautiful angel. And you're going to go, and you'll know it's her, Belinda. Wow. And if you can think like that, right, and understand in the beginning it was very good, and the end it'll be better, then you don't get so stuck in the middle. And you keep doing what you're supposed to do. So if I have someone that won't let me pray for them, say it's a relative, and that happens to relatives a lot, right? right? Or you pray for them and they don't get healed. And I ask two or three times and they're like, no, please no. You pray for me before nothing happened. And I quietly pray for them and they still don't get healed. Do you know what I did? And this just happened to me recently. When I went to the post office to get my passport renewed, Oh, this is so crazy. This is, I'm just, is this, is this helping? How I, this is how I do my thing, and I'm just trying to share that with you. So what happens, I go to the post office, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking to a woman. I could just, she goes, oh, and, and the woman says, are you okay? She goes, I have to be. That's not a word of knowledge. That's me seeing someone in pain. Lord, give me a word. Give me another word, Right? No, there she is. And so what I did was I said, what's going on? I had scoliosis surgery. I said, are you in pain? She goes, oh my, can I pray for you? She says, please. I pray for and all the pain leaves. So I don't feel anything now. And then the other woman goes, Cheryl, I remember the, it was Kathy Cheryl and the daughter was Leanne. You know, I try to remember people's names. It's not easy when you meet a lot of people, but sometimes have a faith journal. Start writing this stuff down, not just the do's, but the don'ts, but make sure that you're doing that so you know how to minister to people, right? And so Cheryl goes, would you pray for my daughter, Leanne? She has tremendous nerve pain. So she stood in, in proxy for her, and we prayed. 
But wouldn't it be cool if she goes home and her daughter says, Mom, I don't have any pain. I want to believe that way, right? Oh, what testimonies do I share? There's so many fun ones. Oh, my gosh. I could tell you all the turkey ones. They're so fun. I'll tell you one turkey one because you'll like this. You'll like this. We're eight floors up, and I'm going to share some others, some of the ones that didn't go so good, okay? Because I think you need to hear that, too. Uh, eight floors up in Turkey. It looks like an old YMCA building, right? Uh, but it's not. They had a little elevator. I swear only two people could fit in, right? You mean, and, and it was crazy, you know. It, oh, it was just crazy. They were working on the street. There's no water. They wanted us to stay there. And I was like, couldn't use the toilets, couldn't use the showers, right? We're doing missions work. That's what missions work can be like. But fortunately, I have a business and I have enough money that we went up the street and got the hotel. It was really cheap. Shapur navigated that for us and got everybody a room and blessed everybody because it was cool. Uh, but man, I was like, oh, I don't want to have to do this. It's already hot. They have no air condition. You don't have water facilities. But sometimes that's the way it is, right? Some places you go, I, they wouldn't have a hotel and you'd have to do that, right? So I'm, I'm eight floors up and I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit and these curtains are hanging like this and it's hot and all of a sudden the wind starts to come through there. It reminded me of the book of Acts and the curtains were like, you know, half masked and spirit of God was moving and people were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized and it was pretty amazing. That pastor um, was in, was a pastor with Andrew Brunson. Do you guys know who that is? He's the one that was held captive, right? He said he was trying to, you know, overthrow the government or something as a missionary and he escaped, right? So this is the life that, that they live, right? And this is what, I think that we need to understand that, you know, I think people are worth it. But we have to be careful that we don't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and trying to hold on to everything. I don't know what's happened in this country. I don't like it, right? But it's funny, when I go to other countries to do ministry work, I don't think about their politics because I don't know. Now, if we went to North Korea, would our goal to be to start a patriot you know, uh, organization and overthrow Kim, Kim, I guess if the Lord tells you to do that and you think you heard from the Lord, but I'm, I, that doesn't, these people are, are, people are getting saved. There's revivals happening, you know, because God has anointed people to do his work. In, in the Middle East right now, some of the most craziest testimonies come out of there. There's a book I read called Standing in the Fire. If you get a chance to read it, Thomas, I can't remember the guy's last name, but it's an amazing book. Every chapter is about a story. These guys don't know who Bill Johnson is. They don't know who Todd White is. They don't know who Dan Moeller is. They surely don't know who Keith Mitchell is, right? Okay, but this guy was ministering to these Druze people. Druze people are really interesting. They believe that a man will have a baby who will be the Messiah. Okay, it's weird. The devil has all kinds of weird religions out there, right? And they wear these big baggy pants, right? And these weird hats. And this guy, two years is ministering. And this will touch on what Tom was saying. Ministering to these people, right? Sharing, you know, trying to talk them into. And I'm not saying God doesn't use that. Of course he does. Look at crusades and the messages preached and they come, right? But nothing, not, no fruit. And one day a guy comes to his door, knocks on the door, and he says, this Jesus that you keep telling us about, this healer, does he still do that today? My daughter, Jamil, has cancer. Would you come pray for her? And uh, this guy had never even prayed for someone to be healed of a cold. He goes over to Jamil, right, to the house. It's hot. He prays for her. Do you feel any different? She goes, I just, it's so hot. Two weeks later, that guy with his daughters at the house and there's 30 people waiting to be prayed because she got healed. And what Tom said from CNN Brazil, it has to happen here. 
And it has to happen here more. And we can't allow the disappointments or what we don't see to keep us from moving. Okay? Oh, okay. Testimonies, testimonies, testimonies. Man, it's amazing. When you get up here, you think that you don't know what you're going to say for this time. And all of a sudden, I'm down to 23 minutes. And I got a bunch of stuff I want to share yet. Okay. I'm in a giant food store in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and there's a woman on a wheelchair with two big, large teenage boys, young adults that probably eat her out of house and home, right? I mean, they're just big boys, and they're filling that cart up with stuff. And I pray for her. If I ask if she's a Christian, could I pray for you to be healed? She goes, yeah, well, of course. You know, but I'm okay, right? Pray for her she doesn't get healed. But now all of a sudden, I'm in the grocery line, and she's the woman behind me. I bought her groceries. She began to weep. She says, this means more to me than you praying for my healing. She, you have no idea what my financial situation is like. Do you understand that there's lots of things that we can do to impact people's lives? If you go to a restaurant, don't leave a note on your tip. Jesus loves you. Give him your life without putting any money there. Sometimes Christians have been, I don't think this our group, I think we're far enough along that we understand that, right? But there are people that, that do that. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're tithing by obligation and not by faith, right? So they're not getting anything out of it because they're not a cheerful giver. And all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to scrimp and save and, you know, I've got to pay my tithe and I can't, it just doesn't work that way. It's all through faith and relationship. When I, I'm not here to talk about tithing, Oh, I did. I have to. It's a church now. Pastor, make me want to finish this one. If you don't think that you can tithe 10%, begin to do something. And do it cheerfully and ask the Lord to bless it. I promise you, he doesn't need your money. It's for you. I have seen him be so faithful in my life because of our generosity and has protected us from losing everything at times. So I just want to encourage you with that. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, testimonies. I did the Izmir one. I did Iman's. Uh, oh, we baptized 12 of Shapur's relatives uh, in a big tub in, uh, in, near Istanbul. It was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, he had me share my testimony with them at breakfast through an interpreter, right? Uh, and three of them gave their life to Jesus because I didn't grow up in the church. I'm not Christian, American Christian, right? Told them how Jesus found me, how he rescued my life. And then the 12th guy that we went to baptize was, I think, Shapur's, oh, he might have been his uncle, I'm not sure, but he was a school teacher, and they, we already drained the tub. And we had baptized, he decided he wanted to get baptized, right? And, uh, but English was very bad, a little bit English. And through an interpreter, he says, maybe I need to learn more before I get baptized. I said, no, believe and be baptized. And then learn more through the renewing of your mind with the washing of the word. So, right, so he gets baptized and we baptize him. This is really crazy. The fire of God hits him. He's in the tub of cold water. Why am I burning up? Why am I burning up? He gets out of the tub and says, this is real. This is true. I have to tell everybody in Iran. What did we do? Baptize him, share truth with him. You know, that's the reality. In America, it's a little bit different because people are familiar with what they perceive as Christianity, right? So a lot of times when we're interacting with them, they already have met people that have maybe not represented as well, right? They, have, they think by being a heathen, they can hide behind the hypocrite. 
Not on judgment day you won't. The heathens will be here, the goods will be there, right? And the ones that are true believers will be over here, sheep and goats, right? And I tell people that you can't hide behind that, right? So those are just great stories. Um, oh my gosh, let me see. Oh. Okay, yeah, I want to share some of that once you. Okay. I was in Bethel and I went to Trader Joe's, um, and there was a woman in a wheelchair. And I said to her, How are you doing? She says, I'm doing fine. Why are you in a wheelchair? She says, I was born this way, okay? I offended her. So I went and got her a gift certificate, I think for $200, right? Because I, I, I wanted to bless her. And, I, and I, she didn't know what it was. It was an envelope I gave it to her. She said, no, you don't have to do this. I said, no, I, I do. I, that was no intention in me to offend you. I said, I just wanted to pray for you. I'm so sorry. You're not your disability. Okay? Make sure you know that. And they're not your project either. They're not your testimony. They're his testimony. Okay? Be careful with that stuff. Okay? How many likes you get in social media and all that stuff? I mean, if it's to inspire. Listen, keep doing the stuff. And if your motives are squirrely, get alone in the secret place and ask God to check your heart. But don't quit giving. Don't quit doing. Don't quit sowing. Right? You know? Because it's still touching people's lives. If you're building a ministry for you, trust me, you'll get corrected eventually. I know too many stories where it's happening and it's happening, right? Okay, so this is, this is how cool the Lord is. I've got to soon go where I wanted to go here to finish because I'm just trying to share with you guys. Um, the next day I go in the mall with a friend of mine, and guess who the first person I saw was? Sarah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Lord, this is crazy. And I go up to her and she says, can I talk to you? I said, yes. She goes, I am so sorry for how I treated you. You didn't deserve to be treated like that. And this is a lot of money. Now, I don't know if Sarah ever had a boyfriend because she has spina bifida, right? Are you married? I said, yes. Is your wife okay with you giving another woman presents? Other women? I said, yes, like these kinds she's okay with. <laughs> we do this all the time. <laughs> but we bless people. It's all for the kingdom of God. And she said, can I tell you why I was so upset? She says, the Bethel school's here, and I'm not knocking Bethel, okay? But the kids get excited and exuberant and zealous. And she said, one day at the mall, I had over 20 students try to get me out of this wheelchair. And now, it's, if one would, it would be a different story. Right? We'd be like, yay! You know, so I'm not, <laughs> I get that. It's not like, oh, you know what I mean? And so, but sometimes if we're not careful, we make people about that rather than helping them to understand what's more valuable and important is their eternal life, right? So, now this is how you learn from this stuff. So I'm in South Carolina with my, with my family, my son and his wife and my three grandkids, and we go into a restaurant for breakfast, and there's, a, there's an African-American family, a large family, with a, the guy over here to the left had spina bifida. I knew I could just tell what he, what he, was, what he was doing. I mean, I mean, I could tell not what he was doing because of the wheelchair and the way he looked. And I said, you have spina bifida? Yeah. And I said, and rather than say, can I pray for you? I said, if Jesus could do anything for you, what would it be? He said, I'd want to walk. Now, that's an invitation to pray. And they were a godly family. He left me pray for them. I didn't see the miracle. But you see the difference of how you approach people and encounter them? You follow me, and then you share the truth of the reality of you're not your disability. And if you don't get healed this side of heaven, man, one day you're going to run in those streets of gold, and it's going to be amazing, right? So if you think that way, if it's compassion, put yourself in the shoes of how that you would want to be. 
I have seen one mild case of spina bifida healed, okay? Um, normally, I expect to see people in a wheelchair, right? But not all, and not everybody has it as bad. So this is another turkey story. My turkey stories, I could go on and on until the next hour about turkey stories, and then we're going to go to a scripture I want to finish with. So after that first night in Izmir, um, I remember this woman, she had like real tight dreads, like Bo Derek, if the older people know who that was, used to wear, you see the real tight dreads, right? And uh, they had this English word seven on their worship shirts with the number seven in the middle, right? And she comes up to me at the next meeting. He says, could you talk to my friend? He speaks very good English. He's actually a, a, a sports writer. He does basketball and stuff. And so I go up to the guy and I said to him, yeah, I said, okay, yeah. He said, I have some questions. And I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand that this stuff isn't scripted. A lot of it just flows out of engaging with people that God brings the stuff. And I want to tell you, you'd be surprised. A lot of it starts with, has anyone told you how much Jesus loves you? Where are you at with Jesus? These kinds of things develop dialogue, right? You know, I mean, that's what I do most of the time. But this one was kind of interesting. He said, I'm trying to decide between atheism and Islam. I said, that's easy. That's what I said. I said, atheism is really easy. I said, I'll give you the rest of your life to make me anything you want to out of absolutely nothing. How much are you willing to wager that you can make me something? He goes, well, I wouldn't bet that. Well, then why would you bet an eternity on the hope that everything came from nothing? That just came to me. God's smarter than I am, right? You know, I don't want to debate the guy. And he goes, okay, what about Islam? I said, it's not even an eyewitness account. Right? Went through that and everything. And I said, I said, and he understood, you know, it was written 600 plus years after the Bible. I said, all the eyewitnesses fled the cross. Most of them, except for John, were martyred for their faith. And of course, Judas who betrayed him, right? Okay, and I went through that. I said, but here's the deal. If I can talk you into this, some imam that's smarter than me can talk you out of it. Right? Apologetically. That's why the talk, that's why we love to see the power encounters with God, not persuasive words. That doesn't mean not to use them, but you need a demonstration of power to back it up because the gospel's true, and God will, look, enable us to preach the gospel with boldness and confirm it with signs, wonders, and miracles, right? So I said, is there anything that I could pray for for you if you need a healing? And he said, yes, my, it was his left eye and his, and his left knee, I think. I know it was the left eye. might have been his. No, it was left, left. And so I pray for his knee. His knee gets healed. And he was wearing glasses. I pray for his eyes. He says, this one's worse. And he says, it's better, but I still need glasses. I said, listen, buddy. He's the great physician. I'm the physician's assistant. I'm doing the best with what I know. <laughs> so he says, this is real. They give their lives to Jesus and all. Oh, and the spina bifida thing. I almost forgot that. So I looked at his buddy. Now I didn't get a word. I said, hey, man, what's going on with his back? He spoke no English. He goes, do you know what spina bifida is? And I said, yes. And I'm like, man, I never saw anybody that could walk. He says, pain since birth. I set him down, his leg goes out, he gets up, he gets healed. No more pain. I don't know if it was a leg thing or not, but God healed the spina bifida. It's not always the leg thing. And sometimes you can't get everybody in a grocery store to sit down in a chair. He doesn't need the chair. Pray for him anyhow, right? But sometimes it's cool when the leg comes out. I get that. I've seen a lot of that. Some of it's really dramatic and some of it's not, but it's really crazy. But anyhow, so they give their lives to Jesus. What are we going to do now? I said, now God's made you missionaries right where you are, right? Get plugged in with some of these believers here. That's the kind of stuff, okay? Um, oh, there's so much. Okay, I'm going to go through a quick 
list of things, and I want to finish with the scripture. I think I have time. You need to know your testimony. Need, you know, learn to share your testimony a little bit. I have a big, long one, and sometimes I need three or four sessions to share my testimony and to teach through it because it's really long. And I didn't really start in my life till I was 50. But I was getting my hair cut in a barber shop one time, and the guy says, oh, you live in Hawaii. It was in the U.K. Man, that must be paradise. Said, it's not all paradise. That's where I lost my son to a drunk driver. Shared that testimony with him. Here his dad was an addict just like I used to be. See how cool that is, right? That's just led by the Spirit of God. Know your testimony. You don't have to share the whole thing, but, you know, share some of it, right? You know a little bit of what your life was like before Jesus and what your life's like now, right? Um, you better know the testimony of Jesus. You ought to know the gospel, right? Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, right? Read that stuff, know that stuff. The road to Emmaus, right? Jesus is preaching the gospel through the Old Testament. Once the veils are moved, it's everywhere. And now when I read the Old Testament, I see it, I see it, I see it. Deuteronomy 36, the day is coming where they'll get a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Jeremiah 31 through 31. Everybody in some of the churches want to stay on Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Well, keep reading. That's what it means to be born again, to get a new heart. To think different. And the Spirit of God helps me to do things that I couldn't do when I was trying to do it on my own strength because I hadn't surrendered. Know the testimony of Jesus. Know the gospel. The gospel is power. Pray. Pray. Pray for others. Pray for transformation in your own life. <laughs> Ask the Lord to have the heart for the lost. It's not all just about power signs and wonders. I know a guy named Edward Kim who got kicked out of Israel for winning too many Jews to Christ. I was in an evangelism meeting at Kapa'a Missionary Church, and I'm the only one that asked a question at the end. How did you get kicked out of Israel? I'm thinking, people are being raised from the dead, people are getting healed. He says, well, we go to New Age festivals and we have a chai tent, and we give free chai to the Jews, and they're searching or they wouldn't be at a New Age festival. And my Korean Jews, we call them, right, know these four songs, and they know these words, Jesus loves you and I love you. He says, if you don't truly love people, if you don't have the Father's heart for the lost, they won't really want what you have. No signs and wonders. And he got booted from Israel for winning too many. So like Tom said, love is really the thing. Don't make it about your testimony, hit, miss, win or lose. Man, I didn't get that one. Pray for him as you walk away. Ask the Holy Spirit for inside information. Right? I mean, he knows everything. Be careful with what you get. If you get pornography with someone, or you get something like adultery, John Winver has crazy stories about some of that stuff. I would be freaked out if I'm on a plane like he was and I saw adultery across your, your head and some woman's name, and then he has this crazy story with so so-and-so, and he didn't say, are you an adulterer? He says, does this name mean anything to you? And then the guy freaked out. So, you know, be gentle, right, with how you handle this thing if God gives you information regarding things that aren't so good. I was at a church not long ago in California, and a couple came up for ministry. They thought they got married too young. They're already contemplating they don't need to be together kind of deal, but they got two kids, and she had touched wrong as a child, and I kind of called that out, and she came forward, and and then we're just about done, and I think we're getting to out reconciliation. Look at him. I said, hey, man, I don't want to point at anybody. What's going on with you and pornography? 
His head sunk and he began to cry. I said, you see all the perversion that touched her and you're watching that stuff? That's what's affecting your marriage, man. No, it was awesome because God touched it. It was really good. See, it's not condemnation. It's to get that crap out of you so that you can have a healthy, holy marriage, right? And the marriage bed becomes a place of worship. And I wish if I could do it over again, I would never know anybody but my wife. But God's redeemed that and restored that and it's beautiful. It's so good. Right? Get over the hurts and things of the past. You know, people that have hurt you, let that stuff go. It's only affecting. Look, if God's not going to remember your sins against you and cast them as far as the east is from the west, that doesn't mean he doesn't remember them. It means he's not going to charge you with them. And so when the enemy's running that stuff through your mind, listen, I don't answer to you. I answer to him. And I'm not going to sit here and pine over something that I can't fit. He has a purpose for me, a plan and a future, and I'm following him. I live in the now and the future, not the past. You've got to do that. That's how you take those thoughts captive. That's why sometimes memorizing scripture is okay. Because it gives you something to think about when other dumb stuff's trying to come through. So that's why I do it, right? Keep it simple, right? Demonstration of the Spirit's power. Pray for the sick. When it sounds, heal the sick. Preach the gospel, Right? Uh, never, ever, ever forget that the greatest miracles are eternal. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who comes to repent than over 99 that are already there. Remember, there were nine lepers that never came back to Christ even after they were healed. So it's really important to make sure we get the fish. All right, and we want to get them in. Now, that's up to them how they steward that. Unfortunately, the statistics aren't real good that people that come to the altar and give their life to Jesus, the Bible says it's about 25%. Not everybody sticks. Some of them come back, praise God, you know, and we pray for that, right? Uh, often just sharing Jesus loves you or I'm doing so good, but it's not my fault or amazing. Okay, let's go to Luke 16 quick. Uh, I want to, I've been wanting to finish with this, and I'm, I think I can get it in here quick. Luke 16, oh, come on now, what are you doing? Oh, technology, why? Why I'm in Genesis, because Tom was in Genesis. That's, oh, I know why, I'm in my wrong Bible. Look at that, I was in my other one, Tom, olive tree. Okay, there was a, okay, Luke, Luke 16, verse 19, I'm gonna talk about the rich man and Lazarus briefly, I'm gonna end with this, right? Okay, y'all, y'all know the story, right? Okay. But I'm going to read it real quick. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, uh, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that this beggar died and was carried by the angels. Oh, think about that. That makes me cry when God showed me two angels took Sam to heaven. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, I just saw that right now. It just hit me. Uh, Two angels, wow, and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He may dip the the tip of his finger in water and and cool my tongue. I don't have my reading glasses and I'm teary-eyed, so it's not helping me. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham's son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Wow. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fix, so that those who want to pass him here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. 
And then he said, I beg you, I beg you, therefore, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) That he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But Abraham said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither they will be persuaded, persuaded though one rise from the dead. Now, that's a scary place, isn't it? Okay, so let me get here quick uh, with my notes for that. Okay, the word of God is true. I think Jesus is telling that story, and I think it's a real story. Uh, the word clearly states that there is salvation in no other but Jesus Christ. God did really say. All right? Uh, and then the word, we need to know the word. Jesus is the word. People in hell are crying out uh, for their loved ones. We need to be radical disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our model. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, you know, all know this scripture. We're new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things become new, right? Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, as ambassadors for Christ... You're the body of Christ. You're anointed. You're ambassadors. God is pleading through us, and we need to implore people on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Evangelism without God is just marketing. But we have the Spirit of God in us. For resurrection power, we first need to die to self and all that wars against the kingdom of God. Let the cross be our compass. Let the cross be our message because we were crucified with Christ into the world. And since we died, right, like a kernel of wheat, now we can produce fruit because we become righteous trees, the planting of the Lord. Become one with him in his death and you will surely become one with him in his resurrection. All right. Will you stand with me? I got 44 seconds. I think I did good, Tom. I hope you got something out of this. I'm just trying to share how I do my life and my testimony and how I read the Word of God, how the dots are connected. Now, listen, I want to pray. Timothy, stir up the gift that was given you, right? By the laying on of hands. Wage war with the prophetic word given over you. What if we wage war with the prophetic word made more sure through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you guys really want this? Are you guys willing to let everything go that's been hindering you so far? Okay, then put your hands up. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, God, I thank you that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in Christ crucified. God, let us each right now have this moment like you had in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. We invite you to come right now.
God, we give you hurts, offenses, these obstacles, God, areas of our life that we need to surrender to you, pornography, things that aren't pleasing to you, God. God, we thank you that there's no condemnation. Spirit of the living God, I just pray that you begin to blow through this room. God, you begin to touch each and every heart, God. God, I pray that you would equip us and enable us to live a life that's so Christ-like, to proclaim the gospel, not just with words, but with our deeds, God, and that you would confirm it with signs, wonders, and miracles. God, I pray for amazing testimonies and outreach today. God, I get excited about what you're doing in the body of Christ. Be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name, I bless you. In Jesus' name, go. Amen. Bless you, God. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast today. If this message has impacted your life, we invite you to check out cityquake.org. Just so you know, our policy here at CityQuake is to offer messages like this one for no charge. Why is that? We want to bless as many people as possible. Would you consider sewing into CityQuake today to help us get these messages out to even more folks out there? Also on the CityQuake website, you'll be able to find links to testimonies of what God has done out there in the streets and also find out our CityQuake schedule. That's cityquake.org. Until next time.